Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. In the rehabilitation world, for some folks, there is a little bit of a turf war between physical therapists and chiropractors. I truly believe that that turf war is unnecessary and it's often due to the fact that people aren't very confident in how they can help others and they aren't necessarily knowledgeable on how the other professions can help clients as well. So today I have a chiropractor, um, Dr. Allison Heffron, who's a good friend of mine. And today we're going to dispel some of those myths and also talk about how chiropractic care and physical therapy care can help with people or with conditions such as sciatica pain. So Allison, thank you so much for hopping on today's episode. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on here as my second podcast. It's <laughs> exciting to do. Um, any, any connection I can make between Cairo and PT and all that and educate patients is always an exciting opportunity. So thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And being that it is your second podcast ever, I'm going to make it really easy for you. Um, as with podcasts, we should just be able to talk about anything. So Allison, for the listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and what your expertise is in? Sure. So I am a chiropractor and an acupuncturist. Um, I practice out of Springfield, New Jersey. I own Adjust Your Performance. Um, I would say that my expertise is in active rehab. Um, I kind of just really, really enjoy figuring out the puzzle pieces and the diagnostic slash treatment approach of doing active rehab um, because it is both. There's plenty of times where I'm bringing a patient through rehab and realizing that they are severely dysfunctional in a pattern that they need in order to accomplish that exercise. And then we reroute where we're going and it makes a huge difference, which is really cool. So I would say that that is my expertise just in general. Amazing. And so you talked about this concept of active rehab. Uh, what is the difference between something like an active rehab versus just say plain old rehab? So, um, I think it just depends. I mean, I'm, I'm saying active rehab to specify, but I'm sure a lot of people would just say rehab. However, there is passive and active for the listeners that are unsure of the difference. Passive rehab would be like getting ultrasound done or me doing soft tissue without you activating any muscle tissue. Even acupuncture is a very passive modality. Um, unless there, there are some therapies where you are moving with the needles in and that is more active. Um, but active rehab, I consider like really retraining movement patterns and trying to make change at the neuromuscular level. Um, that is active rehab and it can be in a wide range of what those exercises entail. So you're looking at active rehab as just having the client or the patient or the person that you're working with have some form of participation in the care, whether it be to do an exercise, a stretch, or just move in general? Yeah. So the 
100%. And the reason why is because none of us are static. So it doesn't make sense if I don't move my patients around with puppet strings. And so they need to be able to move on their own in order to mitigate their injuries. Because if you're not mitigating the injury or retraining anything, all of those repetitive patterns, that's what led to the pain in the first place. And so we really need to change that pattern. So that way you can either get out of pain or mitigate the injury entirely, which is great. I love that because of the fact that I think one of the challenges when someone's looking for pain relief, uh, particularly for sciatica pain, you go on the internet and you find a lot of these quote unquote passive modalities where it's like you take pain medication or you do something like an ultrasound and we can get down into the nitty gritty deep science about how ultrasound isn't necessarily going to help because the research literature says so. So being able to have that active role, whether it be the fact that we are not static beings, like we are dynamic human beings, dynamic animals, and being able to interact with whatever interventions being provided. So that makes a ton of sense, Allison. And, and, I, and, and that's like, I a hundred percent agree with that. And we have to be able to implement a rehab program or a program in itself. That's going to be able to change and focus on the health of our clients as well. Tell us a little bit more about like, so you, you clarified a little bit more about this active rehab, but how did you end up getting involved with your line of work and how did you get involved with this specific piece of the chiropractic patient care acupuncturist journey career model? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of an interesting journey because I'm a third generation Cairo. Like my grandfather was a chiropractor my dad and my uncle are chiropractors. And I grew up with all my family friends, our close family friends. They graduated with my dad, like they were chiropractors, but they were all very much like old school chiropractors. So it's not that they didn't believe in um, like PT. It was just that they believed that the chiropractic adjustment is all that they should be focusing on. And I just kind of disagreed with that model. Um, and with acupuncture, I think acupuncture is phenomenal in what it does, but there is definitely an element of the physical active rehab side of it that's missing with an acupuncturist who's focusing on a musculoskeletal issue. There's usually not a tremendous amount of rehab. Um, I was fortunate that my school, they taught like Qigong and Tai Chi and things like that as rehab techniques. But, um, and there are, there are active rehabs that I do that are, um, that are, I would say born out of, uh, like jujitsu and things like that. So they're, it's pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, the way that I kind of got started in this pathway was through Cairo school there was a rehab to perform club. Um, and I just learned a lot about kind of, you know, looking at biomechanics and, um, different rehab techniques. And then you, you fall down that rabbit hole and you find so much. And like in PT, you guys have McKenzie. We were introduced to McKenzie in that same thing, uh, that, that same, uh, rehab club. And then you go out and you take your seminars that are all based in that, type of school of thought and you just surround yourself more and more with those types of people. And that's kind of how I ended up where I am. It just 
kept learning and finding new people and finding new rehab techniques. And it was, yeah, kind of just grew. Did I answer your question? <laughs> you answered it perfectly. So you brought up the fact that you come from a family of chiropractic professionals, chiropractors, and there's this concept of say like old school chiropractic medicine. And what's interesting is when I was in physical therapy school, when I was taught the differences between physical therapy and chiro, this definition of old school chiropractic medicine was what I was presented. So can you tell the audience of like what old school chiropractic medicine is like and yeah. yeah. So it's also funny that I like sidebar also is that there is old school PT too. And both of them. And like, yeah. And so it's like Kairos are introduced to PT as like old school thinking and PTs are introduced to Cairo as old school thinking. And then I think that really feeds that, that system of turf war that you were talking about and then separation and divide. And, um, and it's all just because we have a lack of understanding or we meet PTs or chiros that are representative of those old school thoughts. And we kind of write it off altogether as like, Oh, they're all like that. <laughs> it's not true. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that have went to a chiro. They got an adjustment, which is like, that's not necessarily the old school part. The old school part is that all they're doing is just adjusting no matter what your issue is. And that's it. And um, it's not that they're, you know, that's their philosophy is they think that that is what's necessary to help your body heal itself. Um, some chiros, they consistently take um, a lot of x-rays like on a frequent basis um, and they kind of evaluate through that imaging. Um, and it's, it's examples like that, that I know a lot of people will have a bad experience with, or either a bad experience or just a neutral, like it did nothing for me experience. And so they just decide like, it's not for them or they, or they bad mouth it. They think it's snake oil, but like, I've been to a, terrible primary care and I found a better one. Like I found one that actually is smart and takes the time. And like, you know, it's unfortunate that in the, and I don't know if PT has the same problem because PTs have such good um, reputations with medical field doctors, but with chiros, like we're constantly misunderstood by the medical profession. Um, and it's, it's frustrating. They don't really find new ones or their doctor will say, don't get adjusted. It's dangerous. It's bad for you. It's like, you don't even understand what I'm doing. You literally have no idea what an adjustment is. <laughs> so obviously I'm getting frustrated. <laughs> I a hundred percent understand your frustration. I think, uh, I mean, if we're looking at it, the, to, to kind of summarize like everything, like when it comes to like old school, or even just the medical profession, like the professions in general, is the fact that not every medical professional is, um, what is it? Good. Not, not yeah, not every, <laughs> not not every med not every medical professional is going to be representative of the entire medical field, and that there are, I'm not, uh, thousands would be understated. There's literally millions of healthcare practitioners throughout this country and this world. 
And you're dealing with a human who combines their training, their experiences, um, and provides the best care for you, the, the, the client or patient in their light. And I think you bring up a really great point about the fact that you like, you went to a, a terrible primary care doctor and you found a different one. And I think one of the hangups that most people who are experiencing chronic pain is the fact that they feel like they might not necessarily have a choice in the person that they work with. And when presented with a very poor experience, you're kind of, you, you, that, that experience kind of, uh, maps out the rest of the trajectory of your care. If you know that the person that you're working with isn't good, but you continue to work with them, you're going to have, you're going to continuously have a poor experience, but also it's tough because of the fact that there are so many practitioners out there that it is very challenging to find the right person to help you. And for those who are listening, if you have sciatica pain, what I, what I truly believe, whether it be a chiropractor or a physical therapist or, or, or a doctor is, uh, in general, um, really when it comes to your pain relief, the big focus should be reducing your pain. Like that's the, that's the first piece. It's like, it's your pain that you're experiencing. It's entirely unique to you. So whenever we provide, whether it be me as a physical therapist, a pain, like virtual pain consultant or Allison, like Cairo, it's like, we do a technique. We have to ask and find out whether or not it's working. And if you're, if you're working with a clinician and they give you something and they don't know whether or not it works six weeks later, then they're not really getting the necessary information that will help them make a decision on what's the best care for you. So you make a huge point, Allison. And it's like, if you don't like your clinician or the person you're working with, find another one, but also, um, Let's talk about not necessarily like we, we can go down and talk about like treatment philosophies and everything like that. But um, particularly for people who are experiencing, say, let's say like sciatica pain in general, where it radiates down. Um, what is your, just so that the listeners kind of get a better understanding of like what you do, like what would your typical treatment approach be? Uh, Sure. So um, I, I know that we moved past it already, but just to go back on the last point, um, the last topic at least, is that yeah. part of what's unfortunate about how people find their providers is based off of their insurance company. And that can lead to so many issues in your own care, which is so annoying because you spend such high, so much money on high premiums and stuff like that. But Unfortunately, usually the best people are out of network or they don't take insurance entirely and things like that. And so it's it honestly like a good way that you can rule out or just know that you're going to probably see somebody of a higher caliber is look at somebody who is out of network or doesn't accept your insurance, unfortunately, unfortunately. But that's really... Uh, the best people I know, the best clinical providers I know that want to spend the time, tailor their programming to their patients, they, they spend so much time with their patients that they, they can't afford to do insurance. Um, it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't provide the provider with enough time to spend with their patients to give the best care that they can. Um, and I, I just wanted to make that point because I do think that it's important for people listening to know that Unfortunately, they they can be pigeonholed in their providers if they're looking solely through insurance, 
which sucks. Um, sorry. <laughs> no apologies needed. I think you pr- uh, bring up a very valid and interesting point. And so it is important for um, when you are looking for a practitioner to do your research and see like, can this person help you uh, throughout my entire career and also through Allison's career too. Like we've gone, like we've gone through various different courses. We got certifications and everything, but ultimately what's going to be important is that you have to trust your, your clinician. You have to be on the same page. And the thing is, is the fact that if you're going off of just, yeah, if you're not on the same page with your, with the person you're working with, your results are only going to be half as much. So ensuring that you're having that communication. Absolutely. Expectations is everything. Yes. Um, But let's see. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the the concept of like treatment approaches and and looking at it. So we we had like the old school mentality of chiropractic where it was like, okay, we look at your spine, we crack your back and then you're out of here. Or we do a whole bunch of different x-rays. Now I know that uh, the the profession has evolved and uh, with you as a clinician yourself with all your expertise, especially with background in acupuncture, uh, you probably have uh, look into things a little differently. Um, so just kind of give us a little taste of what that looks like or what that, what that could be, um, for someone who's experiencing something like sciatica pain. So, um, I think being, having the lens of Chinese medicine along with Western, um, it does add, um, another lens. It adds another lens to look at a patient, um, which is pretty cool. Um, because you can kind of, you can treat people based off of like strictly musculoskeletal, but if you do think that there's some sort of internal, um, like internal dysfunction going on, whether it's from like gut dysfunction or something like that, just, um, a lot of inflammation, um, you kind of, you ask the right questions to find that out with more of the Chinese medicine realm. You also ask the right questions in the Western scope as well, but Um, The way that I go about assessment is, um, aside from going through a thorough history, I take the patient through a basic range of motion exam, um, and then I break it out even further. So uh, the school of thought that I really, really enjoy um, diving into is from the functional range conditioning school. um, And pretty much like outside of the spine, all your joints should primarily, they first priority, they need to be able to rotate. And then secondly, they go through their other ranges in the more uh, like flexion extension with the spine. It's the opposite. They need to go through flexion extension and then they can, then you can look at rotation and lateral flexion has like the secondary movements. So, um, assessing those things, even if somebody comes in with sciatica, I want to look at their feet. Like, I mean, I want to see how your feet are. Are they completely jacked up and, and like rigid? Because if that's the case, you're most likely not extending through your big toe, which means that you're most likely not getting any hip extension, which means that it's all dumping into your low back. So it's no wonder why you have a disc issue because you just keep wearing it thin because you were overusing your low back and you probably don't have poor stability. And so it's, you go through this whole line. Um, it's a whole chain reaction. So sciatic is never just as simple as, um, 
looking at a quote-unquote pinched nerve or piriformis syndrome, there's so much more to it because there's always a root cause to why you are that way. It's never just laying in that disc. The answers are outside of it. Um, why did your disc get degenerated in the first place? Why is, why, you know, why is there inflammation around that nerve? It's not like one day you just camel's back, <laughs> like straw broke the camel's back. It's more that there's an iceberg and you can see the tip of the iceberg. That tip is your pain. And you did not see all of the trash that was, well, icebergs aren't trash, but all of the stuff that was building up for years and years and years over time to make it pop out of the water for you to see it. So, and that stuff under the surface is all that dysfunctional movement that you've been doing for forever. So going through a really thorough assessment of your joints to see where is it coming from? That's, that's kind of uh, how I go about it. So you're talking about taking a look at the person in its entirety, getting the necessary information that you need. And that could take five minutes. It could take a whole hour to just get a better understanding of what is happening why it's happening and the best way to treat it. Is that yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's very important for me in my practice to address the root cause, because if you can address root dysfunctions, pain will inevitably clear up. Pain is like the easy part when you're talking about any painful, like acutely painful or even chronically painful depending on, you know, a lot of other factors like psychosomatic, like basically, um, you know, mental stuff going on, emotional blocks and things like that. But I mean, I forgot where I was going with that, but it's going somewhere with that. <laughs> well, that, that. That makes a ton of sense. And so evaluation is key. Um, and so uh, for you listeners out there, um, when you're working with a clinician or you're working with even someone who's going to be helping you fix a problem, and this is going to be not just pain related, but this is any sort of problem related. Like when you have a problem, you have to get the necessary information, the necessary data to come up with some sort of assumption. And then from there, you take that assumption and you test it. For Allison, she's using her interventions. And then when she gets the outcomes, when she gets an outcome, she then bases her, her decisions off of that. And I've said this before, when it comes to pain management, when it comes to our health, like we have to treat it kind of like a science experiment where we have the information, we have the problem, and then we take that problem and we say, okay, this is what I think can help. And then we, we implement that. And then we have to see like, did, did that actually work? And this is actually one of the big limitations on why if you were to Google, like what are the best sciatica stretches, right? You're going to get 13 stretches and it's all going to be like, do this, this, and this. Now, the reality is, is that you're probably going to get conflicting stretches on there and you're going through this entire list of sciatica stretches or back pain stretches, and you're going to be left worse. And if you're mm -hmm. left worse, you're like not even sure like which one of those stretches helped you or hurt you. And yeah. so you have to look at yourself like the scientific method. And that's what healthcare practitioners are. We're scientists. It's all trial and error. It's like, it's constant trial and error. And I know like it, it, I can imagine that from a patient perspective, that sounds horrifying, but it's true. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to dissect you. I can't see what it'd be more horrifying if that was my answer to dissect you, but 
it really is trial and error based off of clinical experience and the evaluation at hand and history. Like all of that plays a really big role. But um, going back to what I said before about the active rehab, like that's a major part of my trial and error decision making is if you, you know, there's plenty of times where I'm trying to progress somebody through like learning core core stability, you know, basic breathing and bracing, three month supine, diaphragmatic breathing. And I can see that they don't understand how to do a pelvic tilt. If you can't do a pelvic tilt, then we have more problems. Like <laughs> we need to, we need to take a further step back from something super fundamental and go even further back. So, yeah. So taking that information, we, we both agree that in order for you to be a good clinician and help your patients, we have to approach it in a scientific manager, man, uh, a scientific way for us to be able to evaluate and see if what we're providing is helpful, which then brings me up to my next piece about like, I'm very prideful in what I do. I know that you're very proud of what you do and, and we help a lot of people, but it's hard to look like, um, there, there aren't too many people like us. There aren't too many clinicians who think the way that we, that, that, that we do. So, um, I mean, you can search chiropractor, you can search physical therapists in your area and you're going to turn up, you're going to find a lot of different things, just as if you find a lot of different stretches for sciatica and back pain. Um, I think what can make things a little bit easier is like, what are some signs that you are working with a professional that is not going to help you? Um, and I'll start off with some like red, I, I call I'll call them red flags. It's like things that, you know, like things that you're going through with a physical therapist that, you know, that physical therapist is going to help you. Ultimately, mm -hmm. if you're going in and you tell this physical therapist that you have sciatica pain and they watch you touch your toes, watch you lean back. And then from there, they give you 13 stretches at 13 is a good number that I often like to think about, but like after they see you bend forward, touch your toes and everything, they automatically give you all these different stretches and they do not ask you whether or not those stretches help you. They just say, you have tight this here's do these exercises. I'll see you next week. That's a big red flag from a physical therapy standpoint. What's a red flag from a chiropractic standpoint that people should be aware of? Um, not giving any expectation or diagnosis of, plan, of no plan of care. No plan of care is not, that's, how can you have any control over what you're doing? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense when you have, when, the, when they just tell you to come in for basically an infinity amount of time and just kind of like, yeah, this is what you do for the rest of your life. It's like, uh, I mean, I am a big fan of plans of care that patients graduate out of, and then they continue into maintenance because we are constantly pushing ourselves every day. And if you have a pre-existing injury, a lot of the times you need the expectation. It's never going to be a hundred percent and you need to maintain your progress, but to have no expectation and to just blindly go in to a, a, a Cairo multiple times a week, every week for an indefinite period of time, not getting any exercises, nothing. You, there's no way anything's going to change. If you have to rely on that person the same amount in the beginning as you do a year later, then there needs to be a different, a different path. So what you're saying is that if you do your job really well, 
you can get fired. <laughs> if I was, I mean, I was an associate. I didn't get fired, but no, as in, sorry, as, as sorry, my apologies. Last week, I actually talked about how a client fired me in four weeks. The reason being was the fact that they didn't need me anymore. Oh, um, oh yes, yes. Sorry, so, I give you like yeah. zero context. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, yes. It's almost like you want to get fired. But um, like I, I tell patients, I don't really want to see them for the rest of the, as much as I like them. I don't want to see them that frequently for forever. But then there are chronic people who they've had and they will have for a very long time a lot of very dysfunctional patterns and they need long-term care, but it's still much different and it's much more organized and there's a, it's goal-oriented. It's not indefinite without a plan. Like I had a patient today renew um, his plan of care, but he went from coming in twice a week to once a week. And now he's going to come in twice a month and then we'll taper down to hopefully once a month. And there's a plan so that he can consistently see progress, like in his golf game and things like that. And it, when he's working out, cause there comes a point where you can't just go based off of pain anymore because you've gotten rid of the pain primarily it becomes much more, what was your personal goal? What was your why even to start getting care? And that's how we're measuring your progress. Is your golf game better? I know you wanted that to be better. So it, I think I went on a rant and probably left the topic, but <laughs> that's my answer. It's all good. That was fantastic. I mean, ultimately we're looking at the, fo the following is that when it comes to management, uh, and healthcare, uh, it's a science. And when it comes to science, you take the information and you extrapolate the data that you need to, to make a specific decision, and then you test it to see if it works or not. But then also when it comes to working on a healthcare basis, you are a human. And as, if you haven't noticed, like, whether it be me or Allison or any of the people that we've spoken with, uh, that we've talked to on the, these episodes is that you are the, the biggest advocate for, your rehabilitation and your recovery. And if you, like, you know, you're getting better when you feel better, you know, you're getting better when you are capable of doing more things. So being able to have that communication and relationship with the person that you're working with is going to be very important. And Allison made a very interesting point that in some cases, the only way that you can, in fact, create a relationship um, to the extent of Allison and her patients or myself and my, uh, and my patients, you might actually have to go outside of your insurance. Um, and that's, uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but in some cases that's the reality. So um, when you're really trying to deal with some hard pain and you are just trying to figure out like what the next step is, try to go off the beaten path and see who else can serve you. That might not necessarily be in that state. Um, Allison, I hate to cut this short. I enjoy talking with you so much, but we have to wrap this up and I would love to get you on another episode. But um, before we go, there are going to be some people who are located in New Jersey who after hearing this want to work with you. So Allison, how do people get in touch and how do they find you? Um, so you can find my website, adjusterperformance.com and you can fill out a form on there. That's really easy. 
You can also send me a message on Instagram, Facebook. You can. I'm just terrible with Facebook. Instagram, if you look at my page, there's a lot of information, but I have a terrible following. So, <laughs> so don't get discouraged. I promise my following does not reflect the way that I practice. <laughs> but my handle is adjust your performance. No spaces. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Listeners, if you are tuning in just now, or this is uh, your first time on this podcast, thank you so much for hopping in. If you haven't done so already, check out our website, ifixyoursciatica.com with a whole bunch of resources to manage your own sciatica pain, as well as we have an amazing ebook for you to download. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.